This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. Once again, we are very excited to have you back. We are in the fall holiday swing. Uh, We're recording this on, what, December 12th? 13th. So we're down, we're finally into the 12 days of Christmas, depending on how you look at it. And it's the third... I think today is the third day of Hanukkah as well. So I think that's right. We're in the full swing of the holiday season and we are going to be continuing on with kind of our holiday specials with doing barrel aged beer. Now we've done barrel aged beer before Jordan, my friend Jordan and I did it together. And now it's going to be me and my dad doing barrel aged beers. Cause this is a lot of the time that of the year when a lot of really good barrel aged beers come out in that right dad. That's right. Oh yeah. So, um, we're going to be doing barrel-aged beers. What are you doing this, this week, Dad? I'm doing Nighty Night from Lost 40. Mm, our tr- wonderful triple barrel-aged beer from Lost yeah, 40. Yeah, triple-aged. Uh, Imperial. Yeah. Out. Cool. And uh, what do your snacks go along with it? Well, let's see. My snacks are pimento cheese with some crackers. I have cheese broths with a little onion and some uh, ground mustard. And I have a shepherd's pie. A.K.A. Trader Joe's. <laughs> now, the pimento cheese is from PorchSwingFarms.com. Okay. Uh, so, we get, we get them to deliver eggs and this wonderful cheese. So, you might look into that if you like pimento cheese or fresh, fresh eggs. Very cool. And then, I am doing the Founders Kentucky Breakfast Stout. And to go along with it, I have some porchetta. I have some Korean-style gobi beef with a kind of a salty, spicy uh, sauce on top. And then I kind of broke our three tradition because I couldn't figure out which dessert I really wanted to do. I've got some dark chocolate peanut butter cup as well as some homemade uh, chocolate caramels. So I think uh, everything's going to be really good. So last week, once again, was our champagne episode, and at the just like with all the episodes, we end with a blind. I blinded it, and I thought it was a Brut Rosé champagne. So, Dad, uh, tell well, me what it was. Where was it from, Josh? Brut Rosé. Champagne. Oh. <laughs> Brut Rosé okay. champagne. Well, we were saying at the end of the episode, we're going sparkling wine, and I go, well, Josh, what is it? And you go, it's from the Champagne region of France. Yep. And at one point while you were blinding, you said Germany. And I said, you sure it's not German? Well, and you could. said, no, it's not. <laughs> and you're absolutely correct, Josh. You, you got one right. Totally Ooh. right. It's a Brut Rosé Champagne. And I think the date on it was maybe 2008. I don't really remember. Uh, it's, probably, it's probably a non-vintage one. Oh, that's right. It, it's, you're right. I don't know why I said that. But it's uh, Nicholas Fallot. And it's a very good one. Its uh, price point is about $50. So if you get it on sale at Wine Wednesday, you're going to get 15%. Or maybe Wine Thursday at another liquor store, you'll get 20% off. And the rating that I see on Vovino is a 3.8, which I think is a little low. Yeah, it's a, it is a really good champagne. I mean, so we talked about a little bit about the different like ways champagne are made or different grower group. Um, that one we looked at the bottle. It was actually a co-op, so a group yeah. of growers come together to sell under under one name. It was really good. It was good. All right, Dad. Well, let's uh let's go ahead and get into this, and let's start with uh we're gonna start with yours. Okay. The local. The local. It's ninety night. They've done it. Uh, what do you think, Josh? Five years. I think this is the fifth year of it. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, because they started well. Yeah, because they opened in two thousand in December of two thousand fourteen. Yeah. So two thousand fifteen was their first yeah. year making it. So it's uh, this is the twenty twenty version. It came out, and you could order pre order it, and you could go pick it up. Normally they have a big party, and I'll talk about that here in a minute. Normally they have a big party, but this time you could just go pick it up November twenty first. So, you know, I really like it. I got two cases. <laughs> <laughs> Now, just a little refresher course on Lost 40. You know, we talked about this in a previous episode. You know, there's a a Lost 40-acre land that uh, they never have really found. But Lost 40 itself, which is where they get the namesake, they're located at 501 Bird Street. That's way downtown. 
Yeah. It's on the east side of I-30 if you're trying to find it. And it's a it's a wonderful place to go, and they have lots of different beers. Uh, I could probably pull up the website. They they have, I don't know, what would you say, Josh? Eight to ten beers down there every day. Minimum. Yeah, yeah. they've got a minimum of eight to ten. They have, they have about six six to eight standard beers that they run, and then they'll have like four seasonal rotators. And then they also do a wild series, so That's a wild, right. wild ferment series. So they, uh, they've got quite a few beers going on, and it's a, it's a really cool atmosphere down there. They've added a, during COVID, they've added a nice little outdoor seating area where they're going to put some heaters now that it's finally getting chilly here in Arkansas. That's right. That's right. And the wild beers, you know, you know the Yellow Rocket company that uh, they're underneath, they allow them to brew special beers, wild beers, and then on, I think it's every Monday, you'll have the fresh cut, and you can go down there and get whatever they have brewed up, and it's always fresh and great beer. Some of them are fruity, so if you don't like fruity beer, you might want to not take that one, but it might be a sour beer. Same thing if you don't like sours, but they're always going to be a beer that I'm sure you'll probably like. Right. It's a it's a great place down there. So, I mean, this beer, when you smell it straight off the bat, you know, this year you get a lot of vanilla and a lot of, like, caramely notes. Oh, I get espresso, Josh. Yeah. Very, the very coffee. coffee. This isn't the most boozy version that they've had of it. No. This one, on the can, it says 10.5%. And I think one year it was like up at 12. Yeah. So we've talked about this before. Jordan and I, you and I have talked about this. I think they're using a lot of the same barrels over and over again. Mm. So they're losing some of that barely boozy characteristic. Okay. And so we mentioned that this trip, this is triple barrel aged. So dad, what does that really kind of mean when it's trip that they triple barrel aged? Do they put it in the same barrel three different times? Well, what they're doing is they're using a rye whiskey barrel a bourbon barrel, and a Cabernet barrel. So we've got rye, we've got bourbon, and then we have wine. So it's it really, you know, if I was trying to do this, I wouldn't know how long to keep it into each one, and maybe they've done a lot of experimenting, mm-hmm. but this is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, so they, uh, they take, they brew their Imperial Stout, a little bit of kind of how barrel-aged beers are made. So you usually make a, high gravity beer or a high alcohol content beer to start with you know sometimes it's their belgian quads scotch ales but most of the time it's an imperial stout that's right that'll go into there because they need that high alcohol content to kill certain things off that may come in the barrel then you put it in a barrel just like you would a liquor and then you let it age in that barrel and so the same process of the you know, the warming up and the pores opening and the, and the beer soaking in and the cooling off and closing out and pushing them out, you get that transfer of not only kind of the wood flavoring, but you get kind of whatever alcohol is in it. That's and right. then from Lost 40's perspective, what they do is they, they split the beer amongst their barrels and then they kind of taste. And then they, they blend the three types of barrels together to make that's right. a specific style of beer that's got some of that kind of breadiness or that kind of barniness from the wine and a little bit of that extra fruitiness. And then thanks for that clarification. Cause you might've thought from the way I said it, they put it in the rye barrel and then poured it out of the rye barrel into the bourbon barrel and then out of the bourbon barrel into the wine barrel. That's not the way they do it. Right. right. Thanks yeah. For that clarification. Yeah. They kind of, they blend it together to create the style and you know, the wine adds like a, a, uh, breadiness or a barniness and some souring yeah. actually aspect to it and i, I there is there's been a couple of years where they they'll release the leftovers in the tap room and i love when they pour the so the the beer the the base beer they call the forest king is their imperial right, beer right. and they'll they'll pour just the wine barrel aged one by itself and it's it's, it's super really good, good to, too yeah yeah so then uh, the other thing is it's quite hoppy. Have you noticed that? Uh, I don't know the exact hoppiness of, of this particular one, but the website I'm looking at, which uh, is a rate beer website, 
and this was from a couple years ago, the IBUs was 62. Well, yeah, and remember, IBUs aren't, aren't necessarily hoppiness. Well, that's right. Because but, and we've had we've had that discussion a number of times, but yeah. I I kind of use that as a gauge. Well, a lot I, of a lot of stouts run up in the sixties, and yeah, yeah. But remember, black is beautiful. It was only forty five. Right. Right. Doesn't have no. to be. Right. Exactly. But Guinness, I think Guinness is up in the sixties. You know, I have well. to go look that up, Josh. I don't think they're that high. But anyway. It's really rich, really full, very caramely, very espresso. It's like having a really good espresso and a little bit of chocolate with a little dark chocolate on the side. On the taste, you know, it's black as black can be with a dark. It's got that brown tan head. Which to me always tells me that I'm I'm going to enjoy the beer. Oh, really? Okay. So... What they do is they typically, they couldn't do it this year because of COVID, but typically they have uh, either Dawn of the Dead or Day of Darkness party. Mm -hmm. And what that is, because Lost 40, part of their theme is this lumberjack theme of the Lost 40 Acres. What happens is people will register or go to the party and they'll dress up like zombie lumberjack. Yeah. And they and it's like when we say party, we're talking like it's a mini festival. You know, there are breweries all over from Little Rock that are around from you know, from our local area. I think last not this year, but last year, like Lazy Magnolia was there. Um, I think guys from Boulevard may have come down. Oh yeah. I and did. I think uh-huh. some like prairie like so from a, kind of our surrounding areas, they'll bring in lo- they'll bring in independent breweries. So it could be. I think last year they had food trucks, of course, but of course you could that was outside, right? And they did a they kind of did a new they did a a good thing because they didn't want people that were inside going out carrying beers. I I guess maybe there's some Arkansas law about that, but if you were outside. Yeah, you could go to the bathroom and carry your beer, but you weren't supposed to just go in and back out and back in and back out. Right, and some but, of it was for like the festival tasting too. They like you pay you pay a ticket to go to this festival. That, that's right, and if you're just going to the restaurant, yeah. you're not paying for a ticket. Yeah, so they kind of want to keep that control. But what I was going to lead up to was the food trucks are outside, and they usually have two or three of them, but they may have thirty five different breweries. Yeah represented for this nice party and of course there's competitions and there's prizes and we'll have to put it we'll have to put up your picture on the instagram because my dad dresses up every year for it and he's got a backstory for his character and everything it's it's fantastic this year you know this year was definitely a little different with covid but they but still I had fun dress up. well yeah and they still had they still had fun with it yeah i thought i would win something but <laughs> oh well that's not the point of it. So, let's get back to the beer mm-hmm. and the food. So, remind reminding everyone what food we have. I have this pimento cheese. It's from Port uh, Swing Farms with some crackers. And that pimento cheese is kicked up a little bit. Right. And I know at, at Lost 40, you can buy some pimento cheese. Yep. And theirs is very similar to this one. That's why I wanted to do this one. And then I have cheese broth. And I actually boiled the cheese broth in beer and i use some of the nighty night which is unusual i don't normally do that this is this is a particular thing and then you start out with onions in the pan and butter and you get them all nice and caramelized and then the beer goes in and then the broths go in and i have some uh like i said it's some ground mustard and then i have this shepherd pie and if you're really a purist about a shepherd's pie, like I want to be, <laughs> you will be disappointed because a shepherd's pie in Ireland will be lamb. Ground lamb. Traditionally, yeah. Ground lamb. Cregans, when they first started, they had the ground lamb, but I think even they have gone to ground beef now. Right. But this, you know, you can't fault Trader Joe's for it, but... It's, it's ground beef. Ground beef. Yeah. So 
we'll be okay with that. Yeah. So I've been snacking. I've been snacking a little bit. I've had the pimento cheese with it. It's really good. So for those of you that may not know what pimento cheese is, because we have listeners outside of the U.S. and not from the South, pimento cheese, uh, pimentos are kind of a like sweet, spicy pepper. And then they're chopped up and they're put in and made into like a shredded cheese spread. Mm -hmm. So pimento cheese is, it's not really smooth, but it's not really chunky. That's right. Kind of hard to describe. Um, If you can find some, uh, there's a lot, if you're from the South, you know, you know where to go buy your pimento cheese from. Everybody has their own brand or they make it themselves that that likes it. Um, But if you can find... If you're not from the South and you're, or you're kind of looking around, find like a local farmer that makes it wow. um, because they usually make really good pimento cheese. Um, they usually use really great ingredients. A lot of times you can find pimento cheese at like farmer's markets. Mm-hmm. Well, when farmer's markets were a thing. Mm-hmm. Like we actually have grocery stores that will pick up local brands of pimento cheese and sell them in the grocery store. Yeah. Which is, which is really cool. If you don't live in the United States, it's usually shredded yellow cheese. Mm-hmm with the pimentos and then a couple different binders. I'll let you look up the recipe about it because right. I don't want to gross anybody out depending on your food, your food sensitivities, but it's a really good spread. Um, a lot of restaurants have it down here and I think it goes really well with this beer. Yeah. Um, the Thanks. sharpness of the cheddar cheese, the bitiness of the pimentos. This one's not that spicy, um, which is good, but it gives it kind of that balance and the beer kind of washes over your palate. Uh, refreshes your palate for a new bite um, while kind of mixing with it. And it kind of brings out, brings down some of the uh, bitterness, in my opinion. Right. And I think what it does, too, is it brings up the sweetness. Right. It, it announces no, down, the sweetness. Down the bitterness, up the sweetness. So now we're in that perceived uh, IBU thing. Yeah, the perceived bitterness. <laughs> so I loved that once I read it because oh, I was like, yeah. that makes so much sense to me. He keeps using it on me over and <laughs> over. I think, you know, I think, I think all of us stout people, if we're not fans of hoppiness, we really need to talk about, like, we, we've got as a community to start talking about perceived bitterness versus IBUs because IBUs can mean nothing and they could also mean everything uh, to, a, to a drinker. You know, it's a good it's a good marker or a good indicator, kind of like you said, of what you could expect. Exactly. But with a beer like this, you're not really getting much of that bitterness. No, you're not looking for the bitterness yeah. because you're getting the, uh, you know what we're doing, Josh? What? We're actually getting the angel's share out of these barrels. And no, we're getting the devil's cut. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, the angel's share is the stuff that evaporates. <laughs> And the devil's cut is the stuff that stays in the wood. I was just checking to see if you remembered that. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, so when it comes to whiskey making, you have an angel's share, which is the, which is the part that evaporates during the years. Or goes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, everything that evaporates that goes out of the barrel that you have to top up is considered the angel's share because it's evaporating and going toward the heavens. And then who is it? Is it Jim Beam that makes the devil's cut? Yes, I think so, it is. Yeah, so Jim Bean started making Devil's Cut, which, you know, they joke is the is the stuff that's left in the wood because it's mm-hmm. the fiery stuff. It's the it's the cut that's taken away by the fire. <laughs> I always think it's really funny. I don't think it's that good at whiskey. <laughs> but <laughs> but maybe we'll have to do a Devil's Cut episode. I think um, we should now that, but, now that you know, did that. But I think it'd be interesting, you know, it's also interesting to know that, you know, the more you use a barrel, the less boozy it gets the less barrel that you get out of it. We've talked about this a little bit in wine. You know, after about seven years of usage in wine, they're considered neutral. Yeah. Because the, uh, the, the barrel is done giving you anything that the barrel can give. And I think with this one, we've, they've pulled a lot of the whiskey, the whiskey-ness yeah. out of the barrels that they're using. Yeah. And they may start cycling the barrels in and out. Right. Because, you know, like you said, this is marked at ten and a half percent, and that could be done for tax reasons. But it doesn't taste like some of the older ones that were like fourteen percent. Right? They don't. They don't smell as boozy. They don't come out as hot, kind of thing. And I, I don't know what the Arkansas law is. I, there may be some issues there about the really, really high because I remember when Diamond Bear the double, what they call it, 
The two double, term. yeah, the two-term presidential ale. They wanted it to be really high alcohol, and they had to go and 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 get something changed to make that happen. Yeah, there's some weird, that. there's some weird distributing laws, right? And what's considered beer and what's considered malt beverage? Exactly. In Arkansas, like I know, it used to be. If you had just a beer and wine license, which allowed you to sell beer and wine only without food, you could only buy stuff that was 6% or below. Mm-hmm. I think that has since changed. I think it has. Otherwise, you'd have to get a full liquor license. And then, because this is Arkansas, without having a private club license, if you have a full liquor license, you have to serve a meat and two. Right. Yeah, wait, so you have to have a full kitchen, and you know, that's a... Well, Forty thousand dollar investment. The, we're not the only weird state. No, I know we're. I know we're not. But it's the you one. Know, that there's we can states speak out to. there that have the package store, and that's where you can buy your whiskey. And then there's other states out there where you can't buy, let's say, wine or beer in the grocery store. And then there's other states that you can, but you go through a different door. You go get your groceries, take your groceries out to the car. Go around to the other side of the building mm-hmm. and go in that door to get your wine or beer. Well, and I think Tennessee, I think Tennessee, you can buy wine and beer in one store. Wine, beer, and liquor cannot be all sold in the same store. Right. Liquor has to be sold by itself, and wine and beer can be owned in a shop. So they'll have the same kind of thing. They'll have like a wall running down the middle of the store. You know, you buy <laughs> you buy your wine and beer, and then you can you have to go over and buy your liquor. Like, well, in Arkansas, it's, just changed recently where wine could be in the grocery store. Yeah. I mean... I saw liquor, you over there snacking on that uh, broth. Yeah. Let me just say this. Liquor, liquor laws in the South are strange. Well, no, not just the South. Well, mostly mostly the South. Okay, I'm going to tell this, <laughs> I'm gonna tell this Vermont story. Uh-oh. Okay. So we went skiing in Vermont and a long time ago, before okay. you were born. <laughs> PK. Uh, I think Marie. Anyway. Anyway. Joanne and I skied, and we came back to the lodge, and, you know, we said, oh, man, we need a beer. And so I walked up to the bar, and I said, I, I need two whatevers. And the guy goes, who's the second one for? <laughs> and I go, and I point at Joanne. I said, her. And he goes, oh, okay. So he brings the two beers out. He, you know, he draws the two beers. He puts them on the counter. I pay for them. I go like, and you can't see me, but I'm pushing my two hands up to grab the two pint. Yeah. Because that's what I'd order. And he goes, no, no, no. And I go, what do you mean, no, no, no? He goes, you take her beer to her. <laughs> and then you come back. That state had no such thing is twofers you can't double fist in vermont <laughs> and and the <laughs> the rest of the story josh is we were out for dinner that night uh-huh and there were a bunch of guys and they were sort of rowdy and it could have been it could have been women just the same and one of the guys ordered another round of beer and the waitress said you haven't finished your <laughs> and he goes it will be gone by the time you get back <laughs> she came back with all the beers, he'd spit. He'd been yakking. Mm-hmm. His beer was still not gone. She made him down it, <laughs> or she would give him his second beer. No <laughs> such thing <laughs> as two first. <laughs> so you make him chug a beer. I mean, because well, that's totally response. That's well, totally responsible. He he only had like you know a few ounces still. left anyway. <laughs> Oh man, rural states. What'd you think of the of the broth? Oh man, it's good. Pork and fat go really well with barrel aged beers. Yeah, I think so too. The cheese coming through. I think this brings out a little bit of the booze. You think so? A little bit of the booziness, or like the spiciness of the rye, knowing that there's barrel aged rye, getting some of the more of those prickly mm-hmm. kind of feelings that I get sometimes when I get with rye. Feels a little bit more alcoholic as I'm eating it. But it's really good. Yeah, I mean, pork, pork and stouts go really well. Or pork and dark beers, because we talked about porters as well. Well, I think so. Go, always are going to go really well together, in my opinion. 
What do you think? I'm I'm doing it, and you know that little bit of cheese surprise you. Mm-hmm. It, what they've done in this brat is they put a little little bit of cheese down the middle of it, and you're you're snacking on the brat, and there's that little bit of cheese, and that really is nice. Yeah, you know, you kind of get the sweetness of that little bit of cheese, and you're you're back doing the same thing that the that the beer and the pimento cheese did. Get that little sweetness coming up out of it. Yeah. So another thing about this. Uh, party that they usually have and i'm talking about lost 40 and the, the day of darkness so on their website because of this year and because of covid they say this year has been atypical hellacious <laughs> let's celebrate atypically so they're talking about the 99 coming out and they they go on to say since 2020 threw us a wrench right into the eye socket of all our best laid plans we're throwing it right back into its rotten bat brain. <laughs> <laughs> so then they go on to tell you how to how to go on their website, order the beer, pick it up on the twenty first, and that was an interesting way to you know way to do it. Before you you just went to the party and you say I you know I want four pack or eight or like me two cases, <laughs> and you just buy it then. But they they wanted you to reserve it this time, and that way, you know, there wouldn't be this long line of people just doing whatever, and there wouldn't be this. How many people would you say was at that party 2019? Hundreds, yeah. right? Yeah, oh yeah. There were hundreds of people there. Easily. Easily. But anyway, it's such a great party. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully next year it'll be, it'll be back on. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're already planning like it's going to be back on, and then also having the contingencies of, Maybe it's not going to be back on, but but yeah, they uh, they they did it right. Uh, you know, when I went to pick up the the beer, they had the six foot spacing line to stand there, and then they had you written down in the book and all that. And then you know, they, like Josh just said, listeners, you know, there was an outdoor area where people could actually uh, get a beer or some pizza or whatever they were doing. They were making pizzas that day on there. Yeah, they they have a couple pizza ovens, and they were doing a special pizza. They, I mean, they still decorated. They had you know people dressed up as zombies. If you if you watched our Instagram, I I posted a little bit about it when when the day actually happened. They also had something. Uh, they worked with our local innovation hub and created a coffin, and you could go write notes to twenty twenty. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, that was over. You remember the coffin where you took the picture behind? Oh yeah. Yeah, I didn't so, know you could do that. Yeah, so they had these little pieces of paper that you could, you know, write notes to 2020 on, you know, screw off, whatever, you know, be gone. No, I'd need a whole lot more post-it <laughs> notes. Well, no, I mean, it was a good, you know, three-by-six card. Um, well, and so they, they worked with the Innovation Hub, and it's a, it's a special quick-burning box. Oh, really? Midnight, December 31st, 2020. They're burning it. They're gonna do a whole. In, they're gonna do an Instagram live on it. They're gonna. They're gonna. Where do we go to see that? Well, it, I mean, they're Is gonna at the Innovation Center. No, or they're, in, uh, they're probably. It, no, it'll probably be at Lost Forty. Oh, okay. So they're gonna burn it, but they're gonna do it all over social media. It'll be on their Facebook, on their Instagram, and everything about it. But they're gonna light it up and watch it burn. And they had some pretty cool stuff to go on with it. You know, they called it. You know, this was the year from hell, so they created you know, a special little logo that it was, you know, we've got a couple stickers that we're going to put on our, on our podcast box that we bought from it. And the glass, the special glasses, mm-hmm. surprised you're not drinking it out of your special glass. Oh, I should have Josh. <laughs> uh, sorry. That's okay. Uh, we'll post a picture of it up on the Instagram right. that they were kind of doing with it. And it was a, it was a, it was a fun time. And you know, it's a great beer. They pour it on draft. They sell it in four packs. They actually did a special uh, half liter bottling where they got, they took a portion of it yeah, and aged it with some coffee that was roasted at a, at a local place called Fidel and Co, which is right around the corner mm-hmm. from Os 40 and uh, coconut. And then they, uh, they did some special bottles of it, which, which will be cool. I've, Have I've you tried the shepherd pie yet? No, not yet. I've been jabbering. Well, we've both been jabbering, but I've been sneaking a bite in there. Wait. So, for the listeners that don't understand what shepherd's pie is, and I may not give you the whole details, so you might just want to go out there and 
go to your website and find it. But it's typically, like we said, it's lamb. This one is beef. And typically it has corn and carrots and peas in this mixture with, with the meat. And then on top, it's like mashed potatoes. And so it's, it's really a good, it's a good healthy meal right. by itself. So I saw you take a taste of it. Yeah, it, it makes the beer taste like chocolate to me. Yeah. It, it's, like, it's like the dessert. You know, we talked about the shepherd's pie being a hearty meal. And then, you know, the stout is your dessert. <laughs> I mean, it goes, it goes well with it. It doesn't really take over or anything. No. Um, but it. And I chose this because typically if you're going to go to Ireland or even if you go down to Cregan's downtown, uh, Argenta, you'd have your Guinness in a shepherd's pot. And I thought, what better would this be? Right. And I think, you know, the complexity of that shepherd's pie with all the different flavors and then the complexity of this imperial stout in the three barrels, they really, they really do a job on each other. It's really, really good. Yeah, the creaminess of the, of the, of the potatoes kind of, you know, coat your palate a little bit takes away the booziness of it so if you do this as a dinner be careful because you don't really get the booziness of the beer going on with it that's right so a couple more of these uh imperial stouts and we'd be good for a go <laughs> good for the night right? good for 90 night <laughs> yeah that and maybe that's partly why they named it that yep have you seen that in the writing uh i mean i've had one of the guys tell me so on the on the can itself it says pushing up daisy well also on the can is a woman in a lumberjack outfit with green skin so she's a zombie and she's got a big axe over her shoulder so she must be daisy yeah this is the second year that they've had really designed cans and daisy was introduced last year that's right in the 2019 can so it's uh you know, it's a favorite for me. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not a favorite for everyone. If you listen to the cocktail hour, you heard our Joanne and my daughter, Josh's sister, Marie, who used to live in Seattle and now lives in Indianapolis. And I said, Marie, I, how about a four or eight pack of these nighty uh, nights when you go back to Indy? She says, Dad. No, not really much on that barrel-aged beer. And I'm going, yes, okay. <laughs> I don't more, need to give it to her. More for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I had plenty to give to her. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I think my favorite pairing with this was the, pimen- was the pimento cheese. You know, I really like that, too. I mean, brats are brats. I mean, yeah. you can't go wrong with that. And we'll probably, when, when we have dinner tonight, we'll probably eat the rest of the drop. But, you know, I love this pimento cheese. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really nice to get it just delivered on Saturday morning with a, with a carton of eggs. And their eggs are very special, very fresh. So you might look into that or, you know, find your own pimento cheese. But right. it it's really a good match, and I knew it would be because Lost Forty has that pimento cheese with flatbread. Right. I guess I don't have much more to say, Josh, unless you have some questions for me no i don't i think uh you ready to switch over i just want to say one one thing on on this ratebeer.com and this was uh not this year's but it's rated 94 out of 100 so that's a really really high rating right now like i said not everybody likes it 94 or an average of 4.28 on a scale of five that's pretty darn good it's yeah. a good beer. Yeah, it, it's good. It's well balanced. It's it's not like I said. It's not overly boozy. It got a lot going on to it, which I think is uh, it's it's really good. Quite complex. And then on uh, what did I say that was? This one's ratebeer.com. It's a ninety-five. I don't know what that other one was. It's highly rated wherever you look at it. Yeah, I'm ready to go ahead, Josh. Now uh-huh. you have the the founders. Yeah. I have the Founders Kentucky Breakfast Stout, or, oh, good. K- or KBS. KBS. Yeah. We were talking about that a few weeks ago. Yeah, we were. So, um, 
along with the KBS or the Kentucky Breakfast Stout, um, my pairings are we have a porchetta, we have some Gobi beef or Korean barbecue beef that's got a kind of salty, spicy uh, sauce on it, some homemade chocolate caramels, and then some peanut butter chocolate cups. So they're not they're not the standard brand name. These are actually dark chocolate dark chocolate peanut butter cups. Dad, I think we should start with the uh, porchetta on this one. Okay. So uh, once again, this like I said, this is from Founders. We talked about Founders being from Mackinac. Uh, Michigan. Uh, we know, talked a little bit about how they, you know, almost closed there for a minute. And yeah, that's right. Came back and are starting to do some great beers. Now, the base of this beer is their breakfast stout. Mm. They do a really good breakfast stout. Um, they say it's so good you can drink it for breakfast. It's not going to mess up your day. You know, they got in trouble about uh, that advertisement of the original <laughs> breakfast stout. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had a breakfast stout. Uh, with a little boy, oh, it was like the mad. It, it was, was like the mad kid. Who yeah, it was like look, a, really looked it's like, like a the kid. Mad Magazine kid. But but uh, some people really jumped through on them, and uh, they had to pull. They had to pull it. Not I'm I'm in agreement. I mean that was not a good idea. But a breakfast out is a breakfast out, right? <laughs> and if I want to drink a breakfast out, this Founders would probably be on the top of the list, right? And I mean. It's the picture was like a kid eating a bowl of cereal. That's it wasn't him like drinking a beer. No, it was just him like eating. It was either eating like a bowl of cereal or but, eating like know. out of okay out of a bowl. Well, anyway, you lose some. Yeah, I mean, you win, you some. win some, you lose some. I mean, no matter what you have on a label, somebody's going to find something to complain about right. usually. Um, so the base. I don't this, get a whole lot of nose on this one. Well, so the the base beer is a it's a the breakfast stout is a double chocolate oatmeal stout. So it's initially going to be a little bit sweeter. Yeah. And then they add a lot of coffee to it. I'm smelling straight coffee. I smell I the smell. coffee, but I thought it would. But so, it's not real, real strong smell. Right. So this it's is not, actually. It's not the strong smell you get out of 99. Right. But this is actually brewed with coffee. Okay. With coffee and chocolate in it, which is one of the reasons that they, the breakfast out is, can, they call it a breakfast out. It's because right. it has, it's brewed with coffee. And then they take that and they barrel age it in bourbon barrels. So we've talked about it before. Bourbon barrels can only be used once for bourbon. And then the bourbon makers have to find something else to do with the barrels to make money. So they usually sell them. A lot of them are selling them to breweries, but they also, we've talked about scotch areas and all that. But uh, So they barrel age this in, in Kentucky bourbon barrels. So it's only, it's only a bourbon barrel. But yeah, I'm getting some like, it's not like espresso. It's like, Mm-mm. and it's no. not like Folgers. It's like good, good drip coffee smell. Like when you walk into a coffee shop, right? That kind of fresh coffee smell. Yeah, it's not espresso. Some, like yeah, like we got out of the ninety nine. And there's some other stuff going on too, as well. Why it makes me think of walking into a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. You know, because you've got espresso going, you've got you know some pastries and kind of stuff going on with it. Once again, it's you know black as black can be. There's a lot of sweetness too with it. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a lighter head than the ninety nine, uh, but it's still kind of a ta- like it's a still light tan. Caramel. It's not white. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's still good though, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a lot more coffee on the palate, mm. especially coming off the ninety nine. I think that's one of the things that's really showing out to me. It's a, it's a little bit more boozy. Which one? The, this one. The KBS. It feel it tastes like you can taste the booze. Well, what what is the percent? Uh, it's ten. What? Well, when I say booziness, I mean like the bourboniness. No, sorry, it's twelve. Oh well, then it is boozy. It's twelve with seventy. ten point five. Yeah, it's twelve um, with seventy IBUs. But even with it being, I mean, the percent and a half. That's perceived IBUs, or yeah, no. Well, then, no, <laughs> no. It's it's actual IBUs are seventy. Yeah. But it doesn't taste uh-uh. like it's seventy. It doesn't. I don't get as much. I, I think I get more alcohol with it. Right. But I don't get as much hot, bittering IBU with it. Right. And so with even go, though it's more. Yeah. Going back to the alcohol for a second, it's it. You know, it's a percent and a half more, which really isn't that perceivable for we us. Sh- yeah, we shouldn't be able to notice. But but the taste, it tastes. But we're more, professionals. 
<laughs> Let me say this, Dad. <laughs> it tastes more bourbon-y. It tastes more whiskey-y than the 99 does. I think so. That's what I mean by booziness. And, uh, I'm not saying like that. Like I can't really tell the alcohol. It, it tastes more like booze than beer. So is that the that. only barrel they put it in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh well, that would make sense. That makes sense because we've got rye, bourbon, and wine for the 99. But if you only have bourbon for this KBS, right? I think it would be more boozy. Right. And I'm with you with that on 12 percent. Right. Well, that's not that much to perceive as a difference, but I think it's the taste difference of the bourbon. Right. It tastes it tastes more like bourbony than than the other one does. So I'm gonna go ahead and get into some of this porchetta. Okay. Which is really good. This is a porchetta that was pre made. Um all I had to do was cook it off in the oven. Trader Joe's again? Mm-hmm. Really herby, wrapped in bacon rather than just pork belly. Okay. Really herby, really garlicky. Really, there's some saltiness to it. Mm-hmm. Mm. That goes really well. Kind of like that um, omelette bacon breakfast. It's kind of adding a little We're bit more of that breakfast. breakfast. <laughs> kind of more <laughs> of that breakfasty. <laughs> but the sweetness and the coffee and that chocolate really persists and that kind of bourboniness goes down a little bit, in my opinion. What are you tasting? So it's not really like bacon, but I'm getting that saltiness and that pork. And I hadn't really figured out what these the green coating is in in the pork. Well, it's it's herbs. Yeah, I know it's herbs, but which ones? Yeah, but yeah, the I mean that saltiness and that breakfast stout mm-hmm. KBS is really doing well. Right. When we've talked to this, I think we had some just some good old good old bacon. Mm-hmm would have gone really well maybe bacon and eggs and a pancake right no <laughs> you know or even for shooto that's salty porky fatty there you go ness be really good but you know the herbs are probably sage rosemary thyme basil if i had to guess there's definitely rosemary in there mm-hmm. there's definitely sage but that herb so the herbiness was actually surprising to me i thought I thought the herbaceousness and that garlickiness was going to kill the beer. Mm-mm. It but doesn't. it actually Mm-mm. goes really well with that chocolatey and the coffiness and kind of brings in some of those notes that you don't think about. Mm-hmm. Because you know you're drinking a big barrel-aged beer and you're not expecting those like bright high tones, mm-hmm. like, lim- like lemony and that grassiness. I think go really, really well with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like we've talked about before, so... I know, so this is our, like I said, this is our second barrel-aged episode, and we've done barrel-aged stouts in all. So you had Old Rasputin. Yeah, we had the bourbon barrel-aged Old Rasputin. And what was the other one? And we had the bourbon barrel-aged Mother, Matter Familius from okay. Mothers. Yeah. So they're all stout-based. Yeah. But, you know, that's not the only type of beer that gets barrel-aged. Dad, have you ever had a Lambic? Oh, yeah. Well, Lambics are actually barrel-aged. Um, they're not like bourbon barrel aged. No. But they're actually aged, they're aged in wood. You know, there's a lot of different ones, but those are also some used kind of like, think in the process of wine. Mm-hmm. So actually ferment in the wood. Mm-hmm. And kind of gives it that extra, some of those extra, extra flavors. And they're actually aged in the wood, barrel aged in open top. For that spontaneous fermentation yep, that yep. you've talked about. Yeah. We'll have to do a Belgian. We need to, we need to do a Belgian. Because you've got some great stories from your time in, when you went to Belgium. And, you know, I'll hold off on those, but yeah, they're, <laughs> going, they're running through my head right now because yeah. you brought it up. You know, we've talked about bourbon. You know, bourbon is, is a big barrel that's used because they can, you, know, you can only use it once. And those mm-hmm. distilleries have got to make one. If you, if you love these type of beers... And you have not had the Goose Island Bourbon County Stout. I was hoping you were <laughs> going to get that. One. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I kind of, in the frenzy of the end of the episode last week, I kind of forgot about the Bourbon County Stout. Maybe that's my blind. <laughs> you know what? It might be. It could be. It definitely could be. But you're not going to get a lot of it if that's the blind. Because I'm going to yeah. take most of it. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's such a wonderful beer. It's a it's a great one. And you know, we've also talked about, you know, how wine wine barrels are used used and you know, just you know, we talked about the wild barrel series that Lost Forty does. You know, that's another actual barreling because it's it's a wood footer is actually the name of the term that they use. Yeah. It's used when it's brewing. But it's it's a big barrel, basically. So uh, when I was in Montana, and then after this, we'll, well, let's move on to the, the beef after this, after I say this. Um, when I was up in Montana, there was a small brewery in Big Sky called Beehive Brewing. Cool little place. Uh, they were actually barrel aging a Sasan in Chardonnay barrel. Sasan? Yeah. Chardonnay? Yeah. They were, which actually, if you think about it, makes sense. It does make a lot of sense. But yeah, they were, they were barrel aging a, a a very light beer in a in a lighter style wine, you know, wooden barrel. Um, they had so Susan is the farmers ale. farmers ale, and they were barrel aging it, putting it in, in, in a, a Chardonnay, Chardonnay in a Chardonnay oak barrel. That makes a lot of good sense. Yeah, and I, I was sad that I bet it was fantastic. Well, I actually I moved away before they before they put it on tap, but I was like, that makes so much sense. So there's a lot that brewers can do with it. I'm really excited to see more and more brewers playing right, with it. Right, exactly. You know, we have a, another local brewery in town, Flyway, that takes their triple chocolate imperial stout that they make, and they bourbon barrel age it. You know, Lord God. Um, and It is Fremont, another good one. Yeah, oh, Fre- man. Fremont, Fremont Brewing does a lot, you know. Just I know this just because I follow them, but there's a lot of barrel aging going on out there. And it's it's not just stouts, and there are some beer styles out there that are done in wood that are barrel aged that you wouldn't call a, that you wouldn't think are that, that taste like this because they're not they're not meant to have that like liquor characteristic. Right. So I have a recipe to make bread mm-hmm. that uses Lord God. <laughs> It is really some good bread. Very good. And that's another thing you ought to think about. You know, if you make beer, you have all this spent grain. And you can take that spent grain, and of course you can, you can give it to the cattle and the whomever. But you can take that spent grain, and you can make some high-grain bread out of that. Now, you can use the Lord God instead of water for your bread or milk for your bread, and you end up with a fantastically excellent, complex bread. Mm. Yeah, I've got a Lord God in the pantry. I'm going to have to make some bread here tomorrow. Yeah, let me save that for Christmas toast. Yeah. So what are we moving to? We're moving to the beef. Have you tried it yet? I think I saw you snacking. Yes, and I'm not going to say anything about it until you tell me what you think, because I don't want to. I don't want to uh, hinder your thoughts. So, a little bit about this beef. Trader Joe's has a kind of pre-seasoned, pre-marinated, sliced, off-the-bone short rib meat that's done in the Korean Korean barbecue gobi style. And so, I just cooked it off on the, actually on a cast iron skillet, and then I deglazed this skillet. With soy sauce, some vegetarian oyster sauce, which is made from mushrooms, mm-hmm. and then a half of a teaspoon or a table, no, half of a tablespoon of gojujang, that spicy fermented bean paste. You really like that. You've been bringing you know, that up a lot. You know, it's so, and you know, this goes back to the first time that I brought something Asian, you know, with the Oktoberfest. I think, you know, we need to kind of branch out as Americans and start recognizing some of the Asian food that's out there. Because that ferment, so gojujang gives you this spicy, funky kind of taste that goes on with it, which something sweet, spicy and sweet go really well together. Yeah. Sweet and salty go really well together. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why I thought about that. And I was like, you know what? Even though this beef is baronated, I'm going to create this little pan sauce. Okay. Just, you know, deglaze the pan with this stuff. Get it down a little bit. Put some, put some ground ginger and some ground garlic in it, and then I poured it over the beef. And while it was resting, and I was coming up here, um, and I think it kind of permeates it and gives it kind of a good flavor. So, what are you, what are you tasting? 
So that sweetness, there's a lot of sweetness in that beef. Yeah. Like you said. Right. And so when I paired it with the beer, I got a lot more sweetness out of the beer than before. There's not a whole lot of bitterness with this beer, but that bitterness just dropped way down after tasting that beef. Mm -hmm. And maybe the bitterness stayed where it was, but the sweetness went up, whatever happened. That ratio. That really works well, Josh. Right. That's a really good pair. Yeah. And see, what I'm getting is I'm getting a lot more coffee. Well, I got that too. I'm getting I'm getting I a really lot did. more of that ground coffee. It's almost like like if you're eating a chocolate covered coffee bean. Okay. That's, it's not it's not like brewed to you me know, it's I not hadn't brewed done that coffee. In a long time, but that's a really good analogy yeah. for this. It's not like brewed coffee. It's more no. of that raw coffee flavor. Right. With the beef and beef and coffee go really, really well together. So I think I think that's so. We should fantastic. have beef for breakfast with coffee. You know, what what is what is a really hearty breakfast that people had? Well, the Irish breakfast or the well, the you full, know, a lot I mean, of those, when I'm talking full. about full English, when we come to blood saucer, and things, right? Steak and eggs, yeah. Steak and eggs and a, a KBS mm-hmm. <laughs> get you going for the day. All right. So, and then the, la- the last little pairing we've got, we've got a dessert pairing. I decided to do a dessert pairing because, uh, here, let me get you, here. Well, I didn't get you a fresh one. Yeah. <laughs> my onions got on. He, he handed me a fresh one because my onions got on, on the caramel. Yeah, so these are homemade chocolate caramels that, um, homemade? that Jordan made. Oh, you're kidding me. And then we've got some dark chocolate and peanut butter little chocolate cups. The the chocolate caramels are butter, Eagle mm. brand, oh, Cairo, and then chocolates like Baker's chocolate, semi sweet yeah. Baker's chocolate, right. and they're really good. I'm sure there may be some butter in there and cream, but anyway, oh, how I'm, did she learn that <laughs> recipe? What? How did she learn that recipe? Did her mom? I think her? she got. I think she got it from her mom, and I think her mom may have got it from her grandma. Like it's it's it's, it's been tradition. around. Yeah. Mm. And she only makes them this time of year, which is another reason I kind of wanted to bring them because it's a holiday special. Right. And they're not super chocolatey. And they're not super sweet. Mm Mm-mm. But it's just that, like, that perfect balance of Mm. it. That really goes well Mm. with that beer. Yeah, it does. So we're going to have that for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean... Sugar to kick you in through the day, I guess. Oh yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a really good pairing. You know, KBS. You know, we talked about this in the in the in the Porter episode. This beer used to be really used to be a really small window where you could find it. April, and they've recently opened it up, and now it's it can be it's distributed like March through December. Okay, so this is kind of the end of its season, and I think part of that is is because. They're probably starting to get some new barrels in. Yeah. And they're, they're like, okay, we've run through what we've got, and now we're going to let it sit for a while. There's a lot that goes on when it comes to barrel-aged beers, especially barrel-aged beers that go into liquor. Mm-hmm. You have to give it time. You cannot rush it. Right. Because if you rush it, it, the barrel doesn't have enough time. You have to have that time, that day-night temperature swing to really let it go. And that's the big thing about bourbon, about bourbon houses. Uh, no, they don't call them houses. The bourbon, um, the bourbon barns are, the st- uh, there's, a, there's a particular term for what they call the barrel houses. I don't know. Where they keep them. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and watch that documentary again on bourbon. But there's no air conditioning in them. There's no air conditioning in the barrel houses. There's nothing like that because. You have to have that temperature swing, and that's why they let them go for a year. Because you have the hot summer where you have all that barrel exchange, you have all that barrel exchange, and then you have the cold winters where you have that revitalization where it kind of mixes together. And you have to have those big swings to give it the, give the barrels that time and that short amount of time to really give that flavor into it. You know, most barrel ho- most barreling that's done in the wine world is done underground or mm-hmm. in caves. Mm-hmm. 
because they want that constant temperature. They want the slow progression. They want an even progression. Uh, when it comes to bourbon, there's big barns in the middle of the field <laughs> mm-hmm. out in Kentucky or wherever, wherever they're making it because they want those big temperature swings. They want that, they want that aggressive change to allow the barrels, allow the liquor in the barrel to interact, interact and make those changes that happen with it. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things that, you know, it'd be interesting to get a, to get a, a master distiller of bourbon mm-hmm. and a master winemaker together and discuss the barreling process. Oh, yeah. And to see, you know, why it's done certain ways. You know, some winemakers, they'll have them, their barrels, their barrels are, you know, they're not underground. Some of them keep them underground. Like, it, it, it'd be a, to me, it'd be a super fascinating conversation between between the parties just to see the differences in thought process because of the difference in some of those places in napa or sonoma they do have those barrels underground Mm -hmm. france i know some place don't Mm -hmm. oh that's peanut yeah so what do you think of the Mm. the peanut butter cup by itself i love it but with the beer it's spectacular (laughs) it really is what makes it spectacular so the, I think it's just the pairing of the sweetness of the, now we should have tried just some straight peanut butter. <laughs> Maybe that would have gone well. Maybe. But I think it's that chocolate peanut butter cup and beer itself. Yeah. They just, they were just perfect. I think it's the bitter. I think it's the bitterness yeah. of the beer and the sweetness. They're just kind of diverging each other to a point where it's like, this is really fantastic. Right. And I think there's also something to say about the bitterness of the chocolate. That's right. That kind of, that kind of helps it out. Yeah. That's a high cocoa. Right. Chocolate there. It's a very dark chocolate. It would be very different if it was a Reese's cup. That's right. These are dark chocolate, peanut butter cups that we found at Trader Joe's. So all three of my things, except the homemade caramels, I bought at Trader Joe's. Because I was being lazy today. That's all right. <laughs> but, you know. So the listeners can do that anytime they want oh, to. Oh, heck I mean, yeah. They can run over to Trader Joe's and grab whatever, and then they can come get the barrel yeah. of beer and have a good time. And, and, you know, just pick one. So, all right. So uh, we're at the point we're about to head to the blind. So, Dad, what was your favorite pairing with the Nighty Night? I think the pimento cheese, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the other two were a close second. Right. They really were. Yeah. That pimento cheese. I mean, that I love pimento cheese anyway. And, and, uh, but it's now you're going to ask me next, yours. Yeah. Cause the, I mean, I, well, hold on. I, I agree with you. I think the pimento cheese was the best with the 99. Something about that, like, sharpness of the cheese and the spiciness of right. the, the light spiciness of the pimentos were. Really, really good. I think if we had a spicier cheese, it still would have been fantastic. Right. So, yeah, with the, uh, with the Kentucky breakfast style, what do you think was the best pairing? I think your, your Korean beef was first on my book. Yeah. I mean, the pork, the pork with the spices, you know, really close second. Right. And chocolate. I mean, how could you go wrong with that? <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. I'm not saying the chocolate's bad. Right. I'm just trying to rate everything, and it's like 1.1, 1. 1, 1.2, <laughs> 1. 1.3. We're yeah. not talking about 1, 3, and 5. Right. <laughs> They're really close together. Yeah, I kind of I agree with you. You know, the beef, the beef was really good. There was a lot going on with that that just played really, that really kind of enhanced the beer. And, and you know, I mean, the pork had a, just added that extra element that was kind of mm-hmm. missing in the mm-hmm. beer. Right. And I mean the the caramels were just delicious. I mean it was it was all good. I think if I had to pick like one protein, I'd probably go like you. I'd go with the beef. And then if I had to go with one sweet, I'd probably go with the caramels. Yeah. Personally, right. I like the caramels a little better because I have because they have some butteriness and it's and they're shout not they're out, not too, shout they're out to too, Jordan. Yeah. I tell you what, <laughs> yeah. that's fantastic. So, yeah, super shout to Jordan on those on those caramels. They were really good. I I almost. I almost made, I almost had some of those 
salted chocolate oatmeal cookies again. But um, I really kind of wanted to highlight these caramels, I think. Because I knew they were going to be really good with the beer. Well, this beer, these two beers, Joanne made uh, pecan sandies. That could have gone well. <laughs> um, <laughs> surprised her. So my dad loves pecan sandies. Like he, we had to kick him out of the kitchen. Not pecan. Not, not pecan. Not pecan sandies. We have to kick him out of the kitchen when we make pecan sandies because he'll just, if you turn your I'm back, he'll, he'll, he'll grab a handful of dough and just run out, of the, run out of the kitchen and eat it. So, all right. Well, are you ready to, to head to the blind? I am. Are you? Yep. Let's do it. All right. All right, Dad. So we've poured it up and uh, you're on. All right. As a reminder, I'm using the deductive beer tasting method and my tasting grid. I think this is pretty cold, so. Go down the cold list. It's sort of a a golden amber color. Clarity is uh you know it's, it's super clear. It's it's pretty clear. I've got a lot of nice little gas bubbles going on, Josh. Um the foam color is white. Uh head retention. Eh, it's hanging in there, but it hadn't been poured very long ago. Um no nitrogen, I don't see that. Definitely not. Right. Aromatic intensity? You know, there's not a whole lot. I'm trying to see what I'm smelling. Hmm. That's sweet, and I'm going to do some tasting now, Josh. All right. Yeah, I'm, you know, I don't see any fruit. I don't see any spice. don't smell any earth. Not sour or wood. A little bit of sweetness, a little bit of bitter, some acid. Hmm. Good taste in beer, Josh. Okay. Yeah. Carbonation on it. Like I said, the head's not much. Not sure how you poured it. Well, it's also I re I washed out your glass and recleaned it. So here, look at this. This is in a fresh glass. Oh, okay. Yeah, a little, little bit of head. Yeah. Not much. Carbonation is still coming. I mean, there's quite a few bubbles still coming up from this. Right. You know, mouthfeel, kind of low. Body fruit, fruitness or fullness. That's not a full-bodied beer. No, it's not. Trying to sneak a Bud Light on me. (laughs) You said amber in color, so it's definitely not a Bud Light. Right. (laughs) Not a Bud Light. Definitely not a Bud Light. I need to do that one time, though. Hmm? I'll throw you a Coors one time. Oh, no. <laughs> Banquet. Please don't. <laughs> so, body body character, it's, it's, it's a good crisp beer. Alcohol perception, Maybe. not real alcoholic. It's pretty no. slight. I mean, it's probably a, you know, it, everybody makes their beer up there about five. Hmm. Yeah, it's got some nutty. It's got some nutty characteristics. I get that. Some like malty, like malty disc, because we said it's amber. Right. Not a whole lot going on though. No. So alcohol content, you know, it's in that four and a half, five and a half. I don't yeah. think it's above that. Hmm. You ready to start figuring it out? Well, as we said, it's not barrel aged. It's not barrel aged. Is, is it? Is it? It's <laughs> not a stout. You know what? It's not a porter. Well, here now here's my always my question: Is it hop driven or malt driven? I think it's malt driven. It's more yeah, or grain driven. More grain driven. More grain driven. So it's not an IPA. It's probably mm-hmm. not a pale ale. No, it's pretty fresh because you just poured it. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely not. It's definitely not a Sasan. Mm-mm. Right. Not a whole lot of. Too no, dark for Sasan. No, it's not a tank seven, that's for sure. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> so so what do you what do you think it is? I think it's an amber ale. Okay. So what more do I need to tell you? No, I mean that's it. It's you an said- amber it's an amber ale. So it's uh it's not let's think about the amber ales. It's What's that one we drink at uh, Flying Fish? Amberbach. Amberbach. It's not that because it's much lighter. So it's not a Bach. 
No, it's not an amber box. It's not it's amber. A, it's not shiner. No, it's just a no. It's not shiner. It's just an amber ale. I mean, you said between five, between you know five and six percent. So who makes an amber ale that's pretty light? Yingling does. Um, does um, Miller? Do they make like a amber amber box? Amber box is is Miller's amber. Oh, because okay. Michelob. But it's lighter than that. Right. Well, and we we also said it's not a Bach. No. So, so you're just going to go ahead and call it the one you said? Yeah, I think so. So, Yingling, Yingling Amber, Amber Ale. Ale. That's it. All right. That's what I'm going with. All right. Well, that's a All right. Well, that's a it's uh, a great guess and you'll have you'll to come find back it, find out next week. Yeah, come back next week. So, what are we doing next week, Josh? So, next week's I think well, is actually going to release on Christmas Day. Or is it Christmas Eve? I don't know. It's one of the two. So we're we're running right around Christmas. It'll drop on the 24th. The liquor episode is going to drop on Christmas Eve. So because of that, we decided to do some of our holiday sippers. Things oh, okay. that we like to right. sip on All during right. the holidays. And so, uh, Dad, what are you going to be doing? Pennsylvania Dutch eggnog. Eggnog. So You know, I love it. And, you know, I used to buy these eggnogs and have to get some Southern Comfort or something like that and put it in there. And, right. And it just never really worked. But Pennsylvania Dutch. Yeah. You got to buy it. You don't have to do store. much at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to be doing the Five Farms Single Batch Irish Cream Liqueur. I love sipping on Irish creams. And they're one of the first things that I drank liquor-wise when I started drinking and. This Five Farms is fantastic. So once again, I'm going to be doing the Five Farms Single Batch Irish Cream. And my dad is going to be doing the Pennsylvania Dutch Eggnog. So um, we were, uh, thank you guys for listening to us this week. It was, a, it was a great episode, wasn't it, Dad? I enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be lots of fun. And uh, come back next week to see if my dad nailed the uh, beer or not. And listen to us uh, sip on some of our favorite holiday sippers. Once again, always uh, follow us on the socials. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. We're super excited to see you know more people out there giving us a listen. Share us with your friends or get together and have a small party with your friends. Those of you outside That's the United okay. States who can get together in groups, have a you know come and have a good time with us. You know we'd love to see pictures or anything. Tag us in pictures if you guys having a good time. Be COVID safe, you know. Yeah, it'd be it'd be lots of fun to see what's going on, and then yeah, we'll uh, we'll look forward to to seeing you next week. And once again, I'm Josh Mills, and I'm John Mills, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, and goodbye.